Chapter 8 of Mystery of the Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Braymiller. Mystery of the Sea by Bram Stoker. Chapter 8 A Run on the Beach. The girl's kiss was so spontaneous and so natural that it could not convey any false impression to me. It was a manifest expression of gratitude, and that only. Nevertheless, it set my heart beating and my veins tingling with delight. From that instant I did not feel quite a stranger to the giver, nor could I ever feel as quite a stranger again. Something of the same idea may have passed through the girl's mind, for she blushed and looked around her shyly. But, with a proud lifting of her head and a slight stamp of her foot on the rock, she put the matter behind her for the present. The old lady, in the midst of her concern for her companion and myself, was able to throw a glance of disapproval on me, as though I had done something wrong, from which I gathered that the young lady was not only very dear to her, but held in some sort of unusual respect as well. It was peculiar that she should, in the midst of her present condition, be able to give a thought to so trivial a thing. For though death did not now stare her in the face, she was cold and wet, the rock she stood on was hard and slippery, and the foam of the breaking waves was even now curling around her feet. She looked about her apprehensively, she did not know whether or no we were on another isolated rock. I reassured her on this subject, and we scrambled as quickly as we could over the rocks on our way shoreward. The elder lady took up most of my time, here and there in a difficult place, for the wind by now blew so strongly that one found it hard to balance oneself, as is necessary when walking on rocks. I offered the younger my hand. At first she firmly declined. But then, manifestly thinking it churlish, she relented and let me help her. That kiss was evidently rankling in her mind. Both the women breathed more freely when we had reached the shore and stood secure from the sea, and indeed by this time the view as we looked back was enough to frighten one. Great waves topped with white were rolling in from as far as we could see, dashing over the rocks, sending up here and there white towers of spray, or rolling in on the flat shore in front of us with an ominous roar. Woe betide any one who might be isolated now on any rock beyond. He would be swept off and beaten on the rocks. The old lady groaned as she saw it, and then said audibly a prayer of thankfulness. Even the girl grew white for a moment. Then, to my secret joy, unconsciously she drew closer to me. I took control of the party. Come, I said. You mustn't stand here in your wet clothes. Hurry to the hotel and get dried. You will get your death of cold. We must all run, or hasten, at all events, I added, as I took in the dimensions of the elder lady. We have left our trap at the hotel, said the younger lady, as we began to walk quickly in the direction of Port Errol. As we were moving off, it suddenly struck me that Gormala might have seen the episode of the rescue. The very thought of such a thing filled me with such dismay that I groaned aloud. Not for all the world would I have had her have a hand in this. It was too sacred, too delightful, too much apart from ordinary things. Whilst I was lost in a reverie of inexpressible sweetness for perhaps two or three seconds altogether, 
I was recalled to myself by the voice of the girl, who came close to me. "'Are you hurt? Please tell me if you are. I am a first aid.' "'Hurt?' I asked, surprised. "'Not at all. What on earth makes you think so?' "'I heard you groan.' "'Oh, that!' I began with a smile. Then I stopped, for again the haunting fear of Gormala's interference closed over my heart like a wet mist. With the fear, however, came a resolution. I would not have any doubt to torment me. In my glance about the shore as we came off the rocks, onto the beach, I had not seen a sign of anyone. At this part of the shore the sand hills have faded away into a narrow flat, covered with bent grass, beyond which the land slopes up directly to a higher plain. There was not room or place for anyone to hide. Even one lying amongst the long bents could be seen at a glance from above. Without a word I turned to the left and ran as quickly as I could across the beach and up the steep bank of the sandy plateau. With a certain degree of apprehension, and my heart beating like a trip-hammer, I had certainly taken this matter with much concern, I looked round. Then I breathed freely. There was not a sign of anyone as far as I could see. The wind, now coming fiercely in from the sea, swept the tall bent grass till it lay over, showing the paler green of its underside, the blue-green metallic shimmer which marks it, and which painters find it so hard to reproduce, had all vanished under the stress. I ran back to join the ladies. The elder one had continued walking stolidly along the shore, leaving a track of wet on the half-dry sand as she went, but the younger one had lingered and came towards me as I approached. "'I hope there was nothing wrong?' she asked in a most natural way. "'No,' I said it without thinking, for there was something about the girl which made me feel as if we were old friends, and I spoke to her unconsciously in this strain. "'It's all right. She's not there.' Who? she asked with unconsciousness of any arriere pensee, an unconsciousness similar to my own. Gormala, I answered. And who is Gormala? For quite a minute or two I walked on without speaking, for I wanted to think before I answered. I felt it would be hard to explain the odd way in which the seer woman seemed to have become tangled up in my life, and yet I wanted to tell this girl. I feared that she might laugh at me that she might think me ridiculous, that she might despise me, or even that she might think me a lunatic. Then again Gormala might come and tell things to her. There was no accounting for what the woman might do. She might come upon us at any moment. She might be here even now. The effect of her following or watching me had begun to tell on my mind. Her existence haunted me. I looked around anxiously and breathed freely. There was no sign of her. My eyes finally fetched up on the face of the girl. Her beautiful, dark eyes were fixed on me with interest and wonder. Well, she said after a pause, I don't suppose I'm more inquisitive than my neighbors, but I should just like to know, right here, what's wrong with you. You looked round that time, just as if you were haunted. Why did you run away that time and search round as if someone had taken a pot-shot at you and you wanted to locate him? Why did you groan before you went and come back humming? Who is Gormala anyhow, and why were you glad that you didn't see her? Why didn't you answer me when I asked you who she was? Why did you walk along with your head up and your eyes staring as though you were seeing visions? And why— All at once she stopped, and a swift blush swept over her face and even her neck. Oh, she said in a low tone with a note of pathos in her voice. 
I beg your pardon. My unruly tongue ran away with me. I have no right to ask so many questions, and from a stranger, too. She stopped as suddenly as she had begun. You might have spared me that, I said. I know I have been rude in delaying to answer your question about Gormala, but the fact is that there are so many odd things in connection with her that I was really considering whether you would think me a fool or a lunatic if I told them to you. And you certainly would not understand why I didn't want you to see her, if I didn't. And perhaps not even if I did, I added as an afterthought. The girl's awkwardness slipped from her like a robe. The blush merged into a smile as she turned to me and said, This is most interesting. Oh, do tell me, if you don't mind. I shall be delighted, I said, and I only expressed my thought. Gormala, I began. But just then the stout lady in front of us, who is now a considerable way ahead, turned round and called to us. I could only hear, Miss Anita! But the girl evidently understood, for she called out, all right we are coming at once and she hurried on it gave me a thrill of pleasure that she said we not i it was sweet to have a part in such a comprehension as we went she turned to me and said you must tell me all about it i shan't be happy till i hear the whole story whatever it is this is all too lovely and exciting i hadn't an idea when we went out sleepily this morning that there would be so much in the day to think of afterwards I felt that I had taken my courage in both hands as I said, You'll both dine with me at the hotel, won't you? You have missed lunch and must be hungry, so we can dine early. It will be such a true pleasure to me, and I can tell you all about everything afterwards, if we can manage to get a moment alone. She paused, and I waited anxiously. Then she spoke with a delightful smile. That must be as Mrs. Jack says, but we shall see. With this I had to be content for the present. When we came up to her, Mrs. Jack said in a woeful way, Oh, Miss Anita, I don't know what to do. The sand is so heavy, and my clothes so weighty with the wet, and my boots squish so with the water in them, that I'm beginning to think I'll never be able to get warm or dry again, though I'm both warm enough and dry enough in other ways. As she spoke, she moved her feet, somewhat after the manner of a bear dancing, so as to make her wet boots squeak. I would have liked to have laughed, though I really pitied the poor thing, but a glance at the concern on Miss Anita's face checked me. Very tenderly she began to help and comfort the old lady, and looked at me pleadingly to help her. "'Why, dear,' she said, "'no wonder it is hard walking for you with your clothes so wringing wet.' And then she knelt down on the wet sand and began to wring them out. I looked around to see what I could do to help. Just opposite where we were, the outcrop of rock on which the hawklaw is based sent up a jagged spur of granite through the sand, close under the bent hillocks. I pointed to this, and we led the old lady over to it and made her sit down on a flat rock. Then we proceeded to wring her out, she all the while protesting against so much trouble being taken about her. We pulled off her spring-side boots, emptied them out, and with considerable difficulty forced them on again. Then we all stood up, and the girl and I took her arms and hurried her along the beach. We all knew that nothing could be done for real comfort till we should have reached the hotel. As we went, she said with gratitude in every note of her voice, the words joggling out of her as she bumped along, Oh, my dears, you are very good to me. Once again, the use of the plural gave me pleasure. 
this time however it was my head rather than my heart which was affected to be so bracketed with miss anita was to have hope as well as pleasure things were beginning to move fast with me when we got to cruden there was a great local excitement and much running to and fro on the part of the good people of the hotel to get dry clothes for the strange ladies none of us gave any detail as to how the wedding took place by some kind of common consent it was simply made known for the time that they had been overtaken by the tide when once the incomplete idea had been started i took care not to elaborate it i could see plainly enough that though the elder lady had every wish to be profuse in the expression of her gratitude to me the younger one not only remained silent but now and again restrained her companion by a warning look needless to say i let things go in their own way it was too sweet a pleasure to me to share anything in the way of a secret with my new friend to imperil such a bliss by any breach of reticence the ladies were taken away to bedrooms to change and i asked that dinner for the three of us might be served in my room when i had changed my own clothes over which operation i did not lose any time i waited in the room for the arrival of my guests whilst the table was being laid i learned that the two ladies had come to the hotel early in the day in a dog-cart driven by the younger one they had given no orders except that the horse should be put up and well cared for it was not long before the ladies appeared mrs jack began to express her gratitude to me i tried to turn it aside for though it moved me a little by its genuineness i felt somewhat awkward as though i were accepting praise under false pretences such service as i had been able to render though of the utmost importance to them had been so easy of execution to me that more than a passing expression of thanks seemed out of place after all i had only accepted a wedding on behalf of two ladies placed in an awkward position i was a good swimmer and my part of the whole proceeding was unaccompanied by any danger whatever i thought of course had it been later in the coming of the storm things might have been very different here i shuddered as my imagination gave me an instantaneous picture of the two helpless women in the toils of the raging sea amongst those grim rocks and borne by that racing tide which had done poor lochlane macleod to death as if to emphasize my fears there now came a terrific burst of wind which seemed to sweep over the house with appalling violence it howled and roared above us so that every window chimney and door seemed to bear the sound right in upon us overhead was heard between the burst which shook the windows and doors that vague booming sound which conveys perhaps a better sense of nature's forces when let loose than even the concrete expression of their violence in this new feeling of the possibilities of the storm i realized the base and the truth of the gratitude which the ladies felt and i also realized what an awful tragedy might have come to pass had i or someone else not come down the path from winifold just when i did i was recalled to myself by an expression of concern by mrs jack look how pale he has got i do hope he has not been hurt mechanically i answered hurt i was never better in my life then i felt that my pallor must have left me and that i grew red with pleasure as i heard miss anita say ah i understand he did not have any fear for himself but he is beginning to feel how terrible it was for us the fullness of understanding on the part of the beautiful girl her perfect and ready sympathy the exactness of her interpretation of my mind made for me an inexpressible pleasure 
when i told mrs jack that i had ventured to claim them both as my guests and hoped that they would honour me by dining with me she looked at her companion in the same inquiring way which i had already noticed i could not see the face of the younger lady at the moment as it was turned away from me but her approval was manifest the answer was made gladly in the affirmative then i put forth a hope that they would allow me to have a carriage ready to take them home whenever they might desire so that they might feel at ease in remaining till they had been thoroughly restored after their fatigue i added that perhaps it would be good for miss anita mrs jack raised her eyebrows slightly and i thought there was a note of distance in her voice as though she resented in a quiet way my mentioning the name miss anita she said and there was that unconscious stiffening of the back which evidences that one is on guard i felt somewhat awkward as though i had taken a liberty the younger lady saw my difficulty and with a quick smile jumped to the rescue oh mrs jack she said i quite forgot that we were never introduced but of course he heard you mention my name it was rather hurried our meeting wasn't it we must set it right now then she added very demurely dear mrs jack will you present to miss anita mr she looked at me interrogatively archibald hunter i said and the presentation was formally made then miss anita answered my question about the carriage thank you for your kind offer mr archibald hunter i thought she dwelt on the name but we shall drive back as we came the storm will not be quite so bad inland and as it does not rain the cart will be all right we have plenty of wraps the lamps are good and i know the road i noted it well as we came is that not right she added turning to her companion quite right my dear do just as you like and so the manner of their going was arranged then we had dinner a delightful cosy meal the fire leaped whenever the wind roared and as the darkness of the storm made a sort of premature nightfall it gave a pleasant homely look to everything after dinner we sat round the fire and i think for a time we were all content to me it was so like a dream to sit there close to the beautiful stranger and to think of the romantic beginning of our acquaintance was enjoyment beyond words and yet i did not dare to cast a glance forwards but i was content to wait for that i had a conviction that my own mind was made up after a little while we all became silent mrs jack was beginning to doze in her chair and we two young folk instinctively banded ourselves together with our youthful superiority over sleep and fatigue i sat quite still there was something so sweet in this organized companionship of silence that it enraptured me i did not need miss anita's look of caution to remain quiet there was something in her face some power or quality which was as eloquent as speech i began to think of it and the habit of introspection which had now become a part of my nature asserted itself how much of this quality i thought was in her face how much in my own eyes and the brain that lay behind them i was recalled to myself by a whisper i thought for a moment you were going to sleep too Shh. she placed a finger on her lip a moment and then tiptoed over to the sofa taking a soft cushion she placed it under mrs jack's head which had now fallen over sideways upon the arm of the chair then she sat beside me again and bending over said softly while she is asleep would you mind walking down to the beach i want to see the waves they must be big by now i can hear their roaring from here i will go with delight i said but you must wrap up properly 
it will not do to run any chance of a chill all right o wise man i obey king solomon i shall wait to put on my own clothes till i get back and you can lend me a mackey coat if you will i got one of mine for her the newest and we walked over the sand hills to the beach the wind was blowing furiously it never left off for a moment but occasionally there were bursts of such added violence that we found it difficult to keep our feet we clung to each other at such moments and the very sense of the strength which enabled me to shield her somewhat from the violence of the storm made a new feeling of love i could not now disguise it from myself something went out from me to her some subtle feeling which must i suppose have manifested itself in some way how i know not for i kept guard upon myself for one blissful moment possibly of forgetfulness she clung to me as the weak cling to the strong the clinging of self-surrender which is equally dear to the weak and the strong to the woman and the man and then she drew herself sharply away from me there was no misunderstanding the movement it was an intentional and conscious one and the motive which lay behind both was her woman's mystery i did not know much about women but i could make no mistake as to this inasmuch as providence has thought fit in its wisdom to make men and women different it is just as well that each sex should at critical times use its own potentialities for its protection and advancement herein comes in the midst of an unnatural civilization the true utility of instinct since we have lost the need of early information of the presence of game or of predatory animals or hostile men even our instincts adapt themselves to our surroundings many an act which may afterwards seem the result of long and careful premeditation is on reflection found to be simply the result of that form of momentary impulse which is in reality a blind obedience to some knowledge of our ancestors gained through painful experience some protective or militant instinct whose present exercise is but a variant of its primal use for an instant the man and the woman were antagonistic the woman shrank therefore it was the man's interest to advance all at once the man in me spoke through the bashfulness and reticence of years why do you shrink from me have i done anything oh no then why a hot blush mantled her face and neck had she been an english girl i should not probably have had a direct answer she would have switched conversation on some safer track or have after some skirmishing forbidden the topic altogether this girl's training however had been different her equal companionship and study with boys in school and college had taught her the futility of trying to burke a question when her antagonist was masculine and the natural pluck and dominance the assertion of individuality which is a part of an american woman's birthright brought up her pride still blushing but bearing herself with additional dignity she spoke had she been more self-conscious and could have seen herself at the moment she would have recognized to the full that with so much pride and so much dignity she could well afford to discuss any topic that she chose the fault is not yours it is or it was my own you mean when i gave you back your brooch the blood deepened and deepened to a painful intensity in a low voice in the tone of speech but with only the power of a whisper she answered me yes this was my chance and i said with all the earnestness i had and which i felt to the full let me say something 
I shall not ever allude to it again unless you wish. I took that sweet acknowledgment of your gratitude exactly as it was meant. Do believe that I am a gentleman. I have not got a sister, I am sorry to say, but if I had, I should not mind her giving a kiss to a stranger under such circumstances. It was a sweet and womanly act, and I respect, and like you more for it. I wouldn't, of course, for all the world you hadn't done it, and I shall never forget it. But believe me, I shall never forget myself on account of it. If I did, I should be a howling cad. And that's all. As I spoke, her face brightened, and she sighed with an expression of relief. The blush almost faded away, and a bright smile broke over her face. With a serious deep look in the eyes which glistened through her smile, she held out her hand and said, You are a good fellow, and I thank you with all my heart. I felt as if I walked on air as we forced our way through the storm which roared around us, over the sand hills toward the sea. It was with an exultation that made my head swim that I noticed that she kept step with me. End of chapter 8